this morning, I'm moving to the next practice. And that's the idea of, as Christians then, if we're praying on mission with Jesus, if we're reading the scripture and living it on mission with Jesus, and we're having community on mission with Jesus, then how are we meant to approach our culture on mission with Jesus? And tonight's, this morning's practice is called Shape Culture. Now, to get into this idea, I'm going to have to get a little philosophical with you for probably about 10 minutes. So if you want, you can take a nap if it's too boring. Just tell the person next to you to wake you up in 10 minutes. Because in 10 minutes' time, then I'm going to go into all the stuff you wanted to hear, which is Jesus loves you, he's going to care for you and provide for you. Okay, we'll get there. But, but I have to get a little philosophical to break down this idea of culture, because to understand culture, we need to look at some things that have happened in history in order to understand that as Christians, we have the capacity to shape it. Culture, in its Latin idea, is basically the concept that you take the things around you and you make something of it. Some have said that culture is what humans make to make sense of the world around them. Culture is a term that's most recently and probably the most commonly known as the ideas of horticulture, agriculture. These are gardening, farming terms, because for many years, culture was just an understanding that I wasn't meant to only eat the things that are growing on the land, but I had the capacity to take the the raw material of land, put it together in such a way that I could grow and create things for my consumption. So millennia, humans understood that they weren't just supposed to eat. With equal eating, they were supposed to be making something of the raw material so they could consume something. And culture was primarily an idea of cultivating the earth for human growth and human survival. Well, in the 15th century and moving into early 16th century, a guy named Martin Luther came along and he presented a new idea. Because while he was reading the text that was written in Latin, he began to realize that in the Bible, humans were actually made in the image of God. If they were made in the image of God, that means they had capacity to do things like God did them. And one of the things that Martin Luther realized was that humans had the capacity to think. That they had the capacity to come up with ideas from the raw material around them and shape things that were happening around them. And so the birth of the modern man happened which was the idea that humans could not only cultivate the ground, but humans could also cultivate the mind. That as they cultivated the mind, as they cultivated these ideas, that would begin to shape the world around them. And primarily with the Reformation, one of the first things we saw was the idea of education. And those ideas came from the Bible. So what did Martin Luther do? His first thing was to translate the Latin Bible from the Dark Ages into the common tongue of the people that were German so they could read the Bible and begin to educate themselves, cultivate their thinking, and that would begin to shape the world they lived in. And sure enough, we had the birth of the Western civilization. But of course, it went further than that because then people realized they could take sound and in shaping sound, they could create the art form of music and make beauty out of the raw material of sound around them. People began to realize they could shape stones and structures because out of taking the raw material of that, they could shape those things and create something beautiful. And all of a sudden, we had this idea that culture wasn't just shaping our minds, but it was shaping our society and the world that was around us. We began to make sense of the world around us by making culture. Now, we live in a lot of that culture still to this day. We have that culture around us still in this moment. And it's been shaped and made and created not by superstitious floating beings, but actually by 
human beings, that they had the capacity to make the world that we actually currently live in. Now, cultures differ, as we know, and different things have happened where sounds have been arranged to make certain words, to make a culture have the ability to communicate with one another. And, and threads were, were sewn and closed to identify color and style to, accumulate, to understand that this group of people is together. And different art forms and, and things were coming up. And humans began to create these different things. And now later, now that we can use our minds, anthropologists have looked back on cultures and seen these traces happening where humans had the capacity to do it. But there's one thing that's interesting, is that every human would have made a culture where humans in their culture could flourish, but what's different is the ideas of what human flourishing is per culture. In American culture now, we live in a time where we have said the individual matters for our culture, that the championing of the individual, the success of the individual, entrepreneurship, new ideas, the freedom of the individual creates the opportunity for humans to flourish. But if you go to some cultures in in the East, they would say it's not about the individual, it's about the community. That the individual is only going to go as far as their community can go. And so their culture focuses on the idea of the community. And, And every culture looks at ways to implement human flourishing and implement good things and true things in the idea of making that and forming that into their different cultures. Let's fast forward to American culture 2018. We're living in a culture today that has been made by our hands as Americans, forming culture. We like hot dogs, baseball, and 10-cent lemonade. You know, these are, these are things that we've made, that we've put in the fabric of our culture. We've said that Christian, the Christian God is our God. We've put that on our money. And, but we're living in a time right now in our American culture where many people might say, yeah, but Matt, our culture now is kind of assaulting our scripture. And in many ways, our culture is progressing beyond the story of Scripture. And what's happening? Now, our culture, in many ways, is redefining our Scripture. Now, here's the problem with that. (laughs) Scripture has never been something that was defined by its culture. In fact, there's a great book called How the Bible Made Your World by a man named Vishal Mangavadi. I'd encourage all of you that are like this idea to grab his book. And he basically submits the idea that all cultures that are being successful and all cultures that are having human flourishing in them right now have been touched by the Bible. That by the Bible was not shaped by the culture, but the Bible and the ideas within it actually shaped the culture. But we're in a time in American history right now where people are a bit panicking because it seems like culture is shaping our scripture. Rest assured, there's been way worse times in the history of the world where the Bible's been under threat. (laughs) And guess what? It always stands the test of time. But it doesn't mean that we don't have a role in living the scripture into culture in a different manner that in our life we begin to shape culture around us. If you didn't know this, I originally grew up in New York. Uh, graduating high school, I quickly moved to Hawaii, but pre that time, most of my friends in high school, we kind of went to tra- a trades program, and many of my friends ended up being electricians or policemen or carpenters in different parts of the city, in New York City. Uh, it was 9-11, I was living in Hawaii, my mom calls me, it was the middle of the night, Hawaii time, and she's yelling on the phone, Matt, we're being bombed, we're being bombed. I run out to my TV, almost knock it off the stand trying to turn it on. It was on a stand because it was like this tube TV thing. You guys remember those things? Yeah. It was color, though. I'm not that old. It was color. 
And I turn on the news and I see what's happening. And sure enough, a couple of my friends were injured during that time. Some actually passed away. A big orphan epidemic happened from 9-11 because so many parents that were working together died and their kids were gone. And, and it kind of left as a, an American citizen, more than that as a New York native, it left a bit of a frustration in my heart towards the people who caused this thing to happen to us. Well, time's gone by. I'm living in Hawaii. Many years pass. And one day I'm on Facebook. And as I'm scrolling through, one of the posts that pop up is, we got him. He's dead. The next post up goes, Osama bin Laden captured and killed. And everyone is cheering on Facebook. And I'll admit, in the moment, I was like, well, finally, justice has been served. Then as I noticed, it was coming up so frequently. And I couldn't tell a difference between my Christian friend's response and my non-Christian friend's response. And in that moment, I felt in my heart, impressed by the Holy Spirit, spoken by God, maybe my own ideas, I'm not sure. But I felt in my heart that Jesus' thoughts were, I wonder if he had a chance to hear about me before this happened to him. See, the kingdom of God has a culture within itself. And in fact, Jesus, when he lived here, he was letting us know the kingdom of God was here and it had a different kind of culture. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be first, you have to be what? Last. In the kingdom of God, if you want to keep your life, you have to what? Lose it. In in the kingdom of God, if someone slaps you in the face, you turn the other cheek. In the kingdom of God, if you have enemies, what are we supposed to do? Love them. It's a different culture. It's it's a different way of viewing things. And in that moment, while watching this Facebook feed, I realized that the culture in my heart was clearly an American culture, and I had not had enough of the kingdom culture invade it just yet. Because in God's mind, his heart was broken for this man that, though did a terrible thing, was not beyond his grace. I worked in international work all over the world, and many of my friends worked with a situation called human trafficking, or sometimes human trafficking for the purposes of selling young kids. You know what I'm talking about. And they were motivated motivated by the scripture verse that says, do justice. But the second part of that verse goes on, and what does it say? Love mercy. See, it's offensive to me, and it's offensive to my American cultured heart, But in Jesus' mind, he would say, my heart breaks for those young children that have been sold in that situation. But my heart breaks just as much as the man that stole them and sold them into that situation. That's offensive to me because it offends the American culture in my heart, which says, if you do something wrong, I have a right to get you back for that. But that's not the culture of the kingdom of God. Now, Paul understood this, and Paul was caught in a pretty difficult situation because he was trying to advance this kingdom, and he had spent most of his time in Jewish culture, yet there was the gospel spreading in a different culture according to the Gentiles. The gospel spreading outside of just Jewish people and people that the Jews didn't always get along with, and vice versa. So Paul probably had the greatest situation, and some would say that Paul's greatest ministry was actually the reconciliation between Jews and non-Jews, getting them to come together. And how did he get them to come together? By calling them into a new culture. By saying, yes, I understand you're Jewish, and I understand you're not Jewish, but hey, here's where we can get along. We can be found in the culture of the kingdom of God now, not just in the culture made by human hands. 
So one of these great verses that we've read often is in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Do not be conformed to this world. We've, we've heard that verse. But in the message version, I love the way it's put. And I'm going to read it. And most of you probably are not carrying a message Bible. So you'll be able to follow along with me on the screen behind me. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So here's what I want you to do. This is Paul talking to the Romans. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's exactly what we're talking about. Living on mission with Jesus, being right where you already need to be, giving it to God and saying, Father, how can you use it for your glory? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Paul gives us the command. He gives us the goal that your culture around you is not meant to lead you. You're meant to shape it. Now, Christians have looked at culture a variety of different ways through, especially if you look at just American history alone, we've, we've done several things just in the last hundred years. Maybe a hundred to eighty years ago, we looked at culture and just condemned it all the time and said culture is bad. The music it makes, the art it makes, the jobs it creates, it's all bad. It's all going to hell. We just have to wait and hold out until we go to heaven. <laughs> then after a while, we got tired of condemning it, so we just started critiquing it. Oh, just think better. Ask better questions. Pick it apart as much as you can. And then after a while, we got tired of that, and we decided, you know what? We can create a better version of it. So we created Christian music and Christian art and Christian business and Christian mechanics. And then we found out Christian mechanics rip us off just as much as non-Christian mechanics. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Totally just kidding. So we've kind of come to a point now as a church where we're not condemning, we're not critiquing, we're not copying. What are we doing? We're simply consuming we're just falling in line. We're assimilating. We're just getting along. And I, and I understand it because there's a level of just getting along, but we have to realize that we're not meant to do any four of those. As Andy Crouch puts it in his book, he believes the way forward is that Christians need to step back into culture and begin to make something new of it again. That we would step back into culture and we would begin to shape it again. That, that we would be people that are not just eating the culture around us, but we would be people knowing the word, praying, living our life on mission with him, and shaping the cultures around us. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking, man, Matt, that sounds really cool, but super daunting. Like, I'm just a grandma. I'm just a mother of a couple kids, single mom. I'm just single dude. I I can barely get up in the morning and go to college. (laughs) Well, here's the hope. There's a lot of different aspects of culture you can begin shaping right now. The first is the culture that lives in your heart currently. Every one of us has been affected by our culture. For many of us here, it's American culture. For many of us, it's a dual culture, meaning that you have American culture, but maybe you have Korean-American culture tied in or some Latin culture in there as well. But this culture resides in your heart, and the culture of the kingdom of God is probably going to offend that culture. How are you going to respond when that offense happens? Typically, when that offense happens, it brings some type of pain. And we know that every one of us don't like pain, right? 
In fact, when Hillary Clinton uh, lost the election, you might have heard this story that university students were so distraught that they canceled tests on the following day for fear that students wouldn't have passed them because they're so distraught over the pain of Hillary losing the election. The people that did show up to school, do you know what they did? They actually brought Play-Doh and markers and coloring books for them to get through the pain. Some schools brought hot chocolate because that's warming everyone's heart. Some even hired healing dogs like fluffy golden retrievers to come in so they could pet them and feel better about their life. We live in a time where when pain comes, we have an aversion to it. We run from it. We don't like it. But pain is the greatest opportunity for growth in our lives. Jesus came and introduced a new kingdom, a new culture, introduced a supernatural move of his Holy Spirit. But what didn't he do? He didn't remove pain and suffering. Because I think in Jesus' mind, he understood that it was in pain and suffering where we could become the best people we were always created to be. That he would give us the hope to get through pain and suffering. That he would remove the power of pain and suffering over our lives and say, now you can use pain and suffering to serve you. When there's a moment of pain in your life where your culture is off- and the culture in your heart is offended by the culture of the kingdom of God, push through because God wants to shape the culture of your heart. He wants to shape your understanding of how you're meant to live in the world today. Living and breathing and oozing out the culture of the kingdom of God. Second thing is, many of us are probably part of a family. And every family has the ability to make sense of their family by creating culture within our very families. Now what's funny is that even if you're not intentionally doing this, you're probably unintentionally doing this. My father grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. My mom grew up in the Bronx. They both grew up in very rough backgrounds. They didn't really understand how family was supposed to work or the understanding of family. And unintentionally, they began to multiply that same stuff into our family when I began to grow up. They had this funny idea that it would be really cool to make fun of everyone at the dinner table to the point that it was so bad, you never really left the dinner table feeling very good about yourself. But that's what they did. It was unintentional because that's what happened to them. They just began doing that. Well, guess what? When I grew up, I began to find myself in the kingdom culture. And as God began to shift the culture in my heart, I began to realize I can make a better culture for my kids now. I don't have to succumb to that just because that's what my family did. I can look at some of those things and say, there's some funny things there, but I'm going to make a better culture in my family. I can create an opportunity where my kids can sit together at the dinner table, where we can celebrate their successes and we can encourage them, that we can hear about them wanting to quit in certain circumstances and I can come alongside them and say, I'm going to help you get through this because we don't quit. But I don't have to make fun of them or belittle them into not quitting. See, we can shape the culture of our families. We have the capacity. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. He was a culture shaper, a culture creator. So can we. So we can see the cultures of our heart shaped. We can see the culture in our family shaped. And lastly, we can see the culture at our workplaces shaped. I'm sorry to tell you, but work is not a necessary evil. (laughs) Work was actually a part of paradise. In the garden, God made man and woman and said what? Here's the land. What did he say? Make it yours. Cultivate it. Do something with it. Working, sweating, thinking, processing, using our muscles. This was part of paradise. When Jesus came and walked on the earth, before he stepped into his ministry, what did he do for 30 years? He was a stone worker, most likely, not just a carpenter. 
working with rough objects, breaking them, cutting his hands, sweating, going home exhausted. Work is what we're designed to do. Martin Luther had a radical idea in the Reformation. He said, work, that's actually you representing God in society. That God could care for his creation, but he chose to step back, create you, so you could care for creation on behalf of him. That everything you do is caring for creation. Everything you do is caring for human beings. Because all human beings are made in the image of God. Not just Christian human beings, all human beings. Some of us have been restored to the understanding of our Father. Many of us out there have not had that chance yet. But now that we understand that we're part of the family of God, now that we have identified this as our story that develops our life, we can step into our workplaces and go, I'm not here for a paycheck. I'm here because I'm meant to care for creation in this way. When I clean this floor at the end of the day at Starbucks, I'm not cleaning this floor as a necessary evil. I'm cleaning this floor because I'm caring for God's creation. Because tomorrow, God's creation is going to walk in here. Some of them know their God's creation. Many of them don't know their God's creation. But I'm going to treat them all equally. And as I care for this floor, I'm making an environment where God's creation can come in and they can flourish. When we work, we bring glory to our God. So when we step into our workplaces and we don't like the culture that's there, too much gossiping, backbiting, they don't value females enough or the the pay is not equal enough, guess what we do? We step in and we find ways that we can shape that culture because we don't have to just sit back, consume it, and complain about it. No, we were made in the image of God. We can step forward worshiping God, being his mask in the workplace, and we can become people that shape that culture to be an environment where humans can truly flourish. As believers, we're not meant to just sit by and watch the world go its way. As believers, we're meant to step up, step in, and begin to shape it to where Jesus would say, this is how I've designed it for humans to truly flourish.